Hello and welcome to the St. James Podcast. My name is Mike. Thanks for joining me to reflect once again for a few minutes on the Gospel Story of the Week. This week in the liturgical calendar of the church we keep the feast called Candlemas uh, and that got its name because while we remember the revealing of Jesus as the light of the world, traditionally on this day the candles of the church as well as the candles of believers who would bring them to the church would be blessed. In more ancient times this was called the Feast of Hippopante, which is Greek for meeting. So the Feast of Meeting. And it recalls the meeting of Jesus and his parents with two people who have been waiting expectantly for him in the Temple of Jerusalem. Now if you're reading along in your Bible you're going to find this gospel story in St. Luke chapter 2 verses 22 to 40. But whether you're reading along or listening along we just take this moment of silence before we read to still ourselves, to focus and pray that we're going to find some wisdom or encouragement or comfort in the words we hear. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God, and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. 
Now, if we were to turn to the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 12, we would find the laws and the customs to which Luke is referring in this passage. We're told in that book that when a woman gives birth, she is considered unclean and must wait for a certain amount of time, which is considered her purification, before going to the temple to make an offering, which means a sacrifice, to God. The offering we're told in that chapter is partly a sin offering, an act of repentance or cleansing for sin. And it's partly a burnt offering, meaning an offering of worship and thanksgiving. Mary and Joseph offer a pair of turtle doves or pigeons, which is the cheaper option. The law provides for an option for the poor. The rich would have sacrificed a sheep or a lamb. Once again, Jesus is situated among the poor. So that's the context for what's going on in this passage. It's worth taking a moment to imagine ourselves, though, into the scene. Because for all the artwork I've ever seen of this story, I don't think it's very accurate in this peaceful and holy moment of meeting. This is no time for quiet prayer. The temple is a crowded, busy public square, full of people and animals and altars. There is burning incense and wood and oil. Uh, There's slaughtered animals. There are people praying, singing and chanting. There are priests and their assistants who are meeting pilgrims, receiving offerings, conducting the rituals. It is a kind of chaos. And Mary and Joseph cradle their little child tight against them, pushing through the crowds, making their way to the right altar or the right priest to give thanks and fulfil the law. And somehow, in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this busy market square, they meet someone, or two someones, Simeon and Anna, two prophets. It's firstly worth noting how Luke often pairs men and women, uh, so both get a significant role in the story. He does it with Zechariah and Elizabeth, with Mary and Joseph, both receiving angels, with Simeon having Anna, both meeting Jesus in the temple. It should draw our attention to the way in which women are often written out or glossed over in the stories of our faith. And Luke does something to address that. Luke is sometimes considered the most inclusive of Gospels. And that's going to become an important point of this story too. Simeon and Anna only ever appear in this short passage and we don't know anything about them. Except that they are both old have spent many years in the temple in expectation of meeting God's Messiah. They're really portrayed as the most faithful of Israelites. Now, the irony or the two-edged sword to this story is that they are in the temple, the place that you go to meet with God. It's an expectation. It's the place that it was considered God would dwell with his people. And yet they've waited all these years, and the meeting happens now with one small child. And at the same time, it's poignant that the child, God present, does come to that temple in the heart of Jerusalem. God's come home, if you like. It is part of Luke's narrative that Jesus comes to his people, the Jews, and then will take the message into all the world. So this story right at the beginning sets the scene of Christ being recognised in the dwelling place of God with humanity before going well beyond the confines of that ancient religion. Also characteristic of Luke's Gospel, we have the fourth of four songs in the introductory passages. 
that introduce all the themes of the gospel. We've already had the song of Zechariah, the Magnificat of Mary, the song of the angels at Jesus' birth. And now we have what has become known as the Nunc Dimittis from that first line, meaning, now dismiss your servant. For those who are used to praying the office of Compline each night, these words are well-worn, a key part of that last office of the day, and they bear slow and reflective prayer. What is this prayer? Well, partly it's a sigh of relief that the wait is over. But it's also a proclamation that what Simeon has been waiting for and looking for has been seen and received. God has been faithful. And importantly, that the light that is seen, light always a powerful image in the gospel, is a light not just for the few but for all, not just for the Jews but for the Gentiles. Again, that theme of Luke bringing God home and then taking him to the world. There's a universality to this message, to this gospel, to this light. Following the song, though, Simeon's prophecy over the child is a little more disturbing. He says Jesus will bring the rise and fall of many. Jesus will cause opposition that will reveal people's real thoughts and motives. And sadly, it will hurt to be the mother of this child. In some ways, the words aren't different to the promises that Mary sang about in the Magnificat, but those were sung with so much joy. It seems in this song that, and this prophecy that there's a weightier, clearer cost to discipleship, even the discipleship of the Virgin Mary, who has already given so much of herself. And now enters Anna, a woman of 84 years, and a widow. A detail that Luke includes possibly to make the point, well, that this woman was a vulnerable person in society and she had no one to rely on but God. Thus her constant, constant prayer and fasting is highlighted as a great act of faith that shapes her whole life. And when she starts meeting Jesus, she starts telling anyone and everyone that will listen about this child. Embarrassing, perhaps, for Joseph and Mary standing there listening to it all. But this act also makes Anna the first evangelist of the Gospels, the first to see and proclaim. The passage we read concludes with just this short bridge about the Jesus who goes away now to Nazareth to grow up, to learn, to be nurtured. And I'm particularly moved by those words because it points to the very human chasm of the Gospels that Christ was a child, as needy and defenceless as any other. He had to go through the trials and tribulations, the joys and struggles of childhood, the innocent play and the hard lessons. Only Luke will give us one small window onto Jesus' childhood in the next story about his visit to the temple as a boy. But for now we are left to imagine the growing up of the saviour of the world in obscurity hidden again, until such time as his ministry will begin and the light will be revealed to all people. Going to finish this week with a prayer which is the collect for Candlemas. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, clothed in majesty, whose beloved Son was this day presented in the temple, in substance of our flesh. Grant that we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and for ever. 
Amen. Thanks for joining me today. Go safely and God bless you.